This is a, a great time of the year right now. Um, so much energy going on. I, you know, we're in the green season. You know, it's been said Dallas only has two seasons, brown and green. And we're in the green one right now, which is great. And all these graduations and all these things going on, lots of great stuff. But there's still some, some pain floating around. I saw uh, where one of the parents of a high schooler, a senior, um, put out there that one of the high school's inadvertently sent an email to all of the senior cl class telling them they had failed a class. <laughs> and they had to retract it. So it was a little footnote reminder that there are people out there experiencing lots of pain. Uh, hopefully not too many of them were in that category. But today I want to kind of take us into a place of talking about some pain a little bit, um, or maybe a lot, but I'll say more on that in a minute. But I, I want to ask you to think for a moment about the hardest patch of life that you've been through. And just think about that for a minute. Um, there are all kinds of examples of this, you know, with broken relationships or betrayal in the workplace or the loss of a loved one or a crisis of faith or all, on and on all the different kinds of examples we get of whatever your darkest places you've been in life. And really the question of how do we walk through that place? What is it to like to walk through that place? And I want to talk about that today mainly. Um, we're doing this as we start a new sermon series called A New Song. Where we're, what we're doing on this series is we're, we want to introduce some of you, some of you already know this, but we want to introduce you to some contemporary Christian music. And with the invitation that if you listen to some of this, it can be a great way to remind you of some of these messages during the week. And you can get, you can get this in lots of places. Justin has put together a playlist there's a number of radio stations that would play this kind of stuff. And, and so I'm going to wind this back around in a minute to talking about this song. And I feel like today, since I kind of gave you guys a really heavy sermon last week, and I'm kind of doing a little heavy sermon this week, that I need to just tell you it's not that way next week. <laughs> next week will be something much lighter. Don't, don't think, oh, my gosh, you know, Father Bob's going to keep hitting us with these really heavy sermons down here. But, um, but it, the, the, re the reality of it is pain that we deal with in life that is part of life, and it's certainly part of our faith. We have to know what our faith says and how we respond and how we're going to walk through these hard, dark places of life. And that's, you know, like I said, that's what I want to talk about. And every world religion has to have an answer for pain and suffering in the world. That is like whenever you want to start talking about understanding all the religions, every one of them has to give an answer to this. Like, what are you going to do with it? And the Christian answer, I talked about it, a little bit about it last week, but I'm going to give you the, what I think is the full measure of it, at least how I would answer it today, in five, with five different points really, really quickly about what the Christian view of suffering and pain is, and then I'm going to pivot and talk about how, what we do with part of this. But, you know, when we talk about pain and suffering as Christians, the first thing, if we're honest about it, we're going to say is that it involves a mystery. And... Um, However you're going to answer the causation piece is a mystery. The church has never taken a dogma or a doctrine about how we have to understand this. And to this day, um, there are great theologians that I love on complete opposite sides of this. You know, I think about people like N.T. Wright, who will tell you that everything that happens um, is something God allows. He hasn't planned out everything about whatever suffering you're going through. It's not that God said this person's going to break up with you in this relationship or whatever, or this person's going to die at this point, that it's not planned out that way. That's his view. You go to the other side, uh, Peter Kreeft, 
um, a Roman Catholic theologian and philosopher, he says, if you think otherwise, you're robbing the dignity of all suffering. So he thinks every last part of it has to be planned out. It's all God's plan. And uh, he may be right. N.T. Wright may be right. I don't know. But, but the point is, it's a mystery. We're not, gonna, we're not having to put a stake in the ground to say which way it is. So I just kind of hold it. There are days when I think, oh, yeah, it was a God moment he planned. And there are other moments where I think God would never do that, you know. So I'm, and I kind of cheat sometimes. I think we all do. We're like, we want, we want to give God credit for the good stuff, and then the bad stuff. We're like, no, that's just He let that happen. It didn't happen, you know. So, but it's the point is the first thing we, we would own up on this is just admitting that it, that it's a mystery. And I'll, I'll go quicker on these. The second thing we admit we talked about last week is whatever you're going to say about pain and suffering from a Christian perspective, we would say God is in it. He knows it. He's not remote from it. He's hanging on the cross with spit still dripping down his face, with blood coming down his legs, you know, all these different things. He knows suffering. He's in it. He's, he's not remote from it. The third thing we would say is that when we're in it, that God comforts us and strengthens us in it. The fourth thing that I would say is, is we give our suffering to God. He will use it for good. I had... Um, dinner this week with a friend of mine who's, who's been through a bunch of uh, a long rehab journey. And he was telling me the other day about the t-shirts their group has printed up that says, um, the mess helps me with the message. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I thought, well, you know, he's, he's giving it. He's, he, it's, God's using it. He's getting to talk about what, he, what he's been through. And the final thing, sort of the fifth thing I would say that the Christian view on this is, is that there will be a time and a place where there's not going to be any tears. There will be a time and a place when the suffering will go away. And so all of these things are sort of the, to me, the, the big pillars of how we view pain and suffering as Christians, right? And there's more that can be said, but that's about as quick as I can summarize a Christian view on it. The rest of this morning, all I want to focus on is that third one, how God comforts us and strengthens us and what we do with that. And I think when you start talking about it, there are lots of places in Scripture we might turn but to me, one of the best um, examples of Scripture we can look at is Psalm 121. And it's a psalm that's read in lots of different places. Um, it's this great song, psalm about, we just read it a moment ago, Steve read it for us a moment ago, and it talks about where our help comes from. The opening two verses say, I lift up my eyes to the hills or to the mountains. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Where does my help come from? Does it come from the mountains? And a lot of the commentators talking about this say there are a number of ways we might interpret that first passage. But the idea that, um, that maybe this is coming from a time when Judah was, had given themselves away to worshiping other gods, to Baal, and how the same one that was at Mount Carmel that Elijah does his big contest with and all of that. And part of their practices would have included different rituals up on the mountains and all these different things. So, so part of what he's saying is, do I look to the popular cultural answer to some of these things going on in our community right now? And the psalmist gives this strong answer and says, no, no, I, I'm looking to the God who has made everything, including those, those mountains. And we're reminded of that that's the place where we, we put our anchor in all this, that God is the one who will help us, who will give us strength in these times. And you know, there are lots of great ways we experience that. I think when we're in those dark places, our family and our friends and the people who walk with us can be a, a great, great help. The church can be a great help. All these things. 
But the truth is, all of those, the family, your friends, the church, are, will all let you down at some point. Tomorrow, Pub Theology, we're talking about how the church lets you down. Steve's going to be talking about church hurt. But God is not that way. He's the only one who's going to always get it, who's going to be perfect in all this, who's not going to let us down, who's going to be faithful. And Scripture talks about it many, many places. You know, people, some people call Scripture a love letter. But you'll read again and again about God's faithfulness and how He helps us in these different places. I want to read just a few um, examples. Um, Psalm 62, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I'll never be greatly shaken. This idea that that's our foundation. Yahweh is their strength. He is a stronghold of salvation to His anointed. From Psalm 28. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 124, our help is in the name of Yahweh who made heaven and earth. And just to pick one from, from uh, the New Testament that we frequently say in here from Philippians 4, do not worry about anything, the, the stuff you're going through, don't worry about it, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will abide in you. Letting God's peace in us in these middle... Give Him that stuff. Give Him this, the dark places. Give Him the pain. Give Him all that stuff. And let His peace come into us. And it's not just Scripture, right? The, the testimony of people through the ages, Christians through the ages, and Christians around the world, would be that God is in those dark places. That God doesn't let go of us that He helps us in those dark places. And there are lots of different examples I could give. I'm going to give two before we sort of, um, we do the witness from this song. But um, the one I got this week, I had dinner with another friend this week, and um, we were talking about some a hard patch he's going through. And um, we somehow got to talking, and he was telling me that he had just watched a Netflix um, special with Brene Brown. And if, some of y'all will know her. She's um, a very popular writer. And I've read one of her books and like it. I thought, well, I'm going to check this out. So I went and started watching this thing. And she's very funny. If you go watch it, it's a great thing. But it, it is foul. I'm going to give you a little parental warning on that one now. <laughs> but, but really, really funny. But if you don't know her story, um, she sets it up and tells the story about how you know, she was, she's a research professor at the University of Houston. And she was doing a lot of corporate speaking and this and that. Her study areas were on vulnerability and shame and different aspects of, of leadership as well. And um, so the TED Talks come to town, and they're going to start a, a chapter or whatever it is of Houston TED Talks, and they ask her to speak. And she ultimately decides she's going to speak on vulnerability. So she goes, and apparently it's one of the most watched TED Talks out there. But she gives this talk on vulnerability at this TED Talk, and then the Houston platform recorded it, did all this, and then it went to the national TED Talk platform. And she talks about how she looks at it, and they're like, maybe nine people had watched it. She looked back, and a million people had watched it. Later in the day, she looked back, and two million people had watched it. She looked back later at the end of the day, and like three million people had watched it. And she's like, well, and I think it must have been the weekend. I didn't get this detail. But anyway, her husband is getting ready to leave the next morning, and he says to her, don't go look at the comments. Like, just, <laughs> just enjoy it. And she says that she, she's looking out the driveway window, and she sees him drive off, and she goes immediately to her computer. <laughs> and, um, and she looks, she said the first three comments she read were these. Less research, more Botox. <laughs> the second one said, of course she embraces imperfection. What choice would you have if you looked like her? 
The third one she read was, she should wait and talk about worthiness when she loses 15 pounds. So they're just pounding her, pounding on this. And she said that she had this moment of just vacillating between, oh, God, just kill me now. And I've been trained for this. I've been trained for this, you know. And then she said she did whatever, you know, what, what many of us do to cope. She got a, a, a jug of peanut butter <laughs> and watched seven hours of Downton Abbey. And then she, said, she goes on to say that when she finished it, she still didn't want to go back to reality because it's too painful. So she said she started, like, checking out things about Downton Abbey, like, where is the Abbey and all these kinds of things like this. And she said, and she, said she got to this uh, moment where she's like, who was president when Downton Abbey was going on? And so she, she Googles this, you know, and it, and, it, and it comes back that it's Theodore Roosevelt in 1910. And then she says, she clicks on it, and she had this God moment. That God gave her what she needed in this moment. And she talks about this feeling that God descended in her living room as if he was dressed in his regalia right there to give her what she needed. And she said when she clicked on it, one of um, Theodore Roosevelt's speeches came up. And, the very, and it's a very short one. And, the, and I'm going to read it. It's, it's a little bit on the longer side. But just think, so she's in this moment feeling overwhelmed by all this negativity and this is what she read. And she said that she, her, her life, there's a before and after of reading this, pat, this, this little paragraph from this speech. So in the speech, this is what he said. It's not the critic who counts. That's the opening line. It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who becomes sh short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and at the worst, if he fails, at least fails with daring greatly, so that his place will, shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. God gave her what she needed in that moment. And she just flat out says, it's a God moment of God reaching into that moment and helping with me, me with that. And I think that's the witness of a lot of people, right? I think about um, also just one more example with Tony Dungy, who is the... Um, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts back in 2005, and he was coming out of a season where they had this, their record at the time was 13 and 0, and they had just flown back from Jacksonville where they beat the Cougars. It's 1:45 in the morning, and he gets a phone call from a nurse and the university where his son Jamie went to school with the news no one ever ever wants to hear that his son is dead. And um, he goes on, he's a man of faith, strong faith, and he wrote a book about it called The Quiet Place and talking about his life and this chapter of it. But I thought it was really powerful, the things he says about it, because this is what he says. He says, Lauren and I weren't sure how we'd get through this, but we recognized that we were going to have to cling to God's strength and love if we were going to have a chance. He goes on to say, God doesn't promise that once we accept Jesus, we'll be protected from harm and pain and stress. But he does promise that he'll be there to lean on during those times. I thought it critical that during this time of my own staggering loss, everyone watching our team to see me live out those lessons rather than quit when times were tough. That God meets him in that place. And 
My experience is that God is always with us in those dark places. Sometimes we may want to turn inward and only look at our pain. We may not see he's sitting next to us. But if we'll be open, we'll see that God's walking with us, that he is comforting us, that he is giving us strength and all that. And I, wanna, um, I wanted to say all these things to set up our first song that we're doing um, today in this series. Um, it's a song um, by a, a band called For King and Country, which is a group of guys, um, two guys out of Australia. They've been called the Coldplay of Australia at one point. I don't know if we, we go with that or not, but there's their sound. Um, Luke and, and Joe um, Smallbone, I think it's their last name, they formed this group back in 2012, and um, this is off one of, their, one of their first albums, not the first, but one of the first. The song we're, that, um, these, that Justin and the crew are about to do rose to number one on the billboards in the Christian airplay um, area. It's a song called Shoulders, and um, I'm not going to say a whole lot about the song. The, the version on the record that you'll hear on the radio starts was Psalm 121, the first part of it. That's why I kind of focused on that one. And it goes on to this, talking about these dark places and how God's there. And our experience of God's comfort and strength is as if he's carrying us on his shoulders. Our closing prayer today is going to be the song. I invite you to listen, take in the lyrics, and then I would encourage you to listen to it during the week. And remember that God's with you.